Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, January 8, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. So we will continue making our way through Hebrews. As we ventured off last week for the first sermon of the year in the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> we're back with uh, the, the chapter on faith, and we're going to spend a bit of time on this chapter. Um, before we begin, though, I, um, I forgot this morning, Josiah, my son, is also preaching at another church in Kansas City, he asked us to pray, and I forgot to pray for him dar- during our, our prayer time, so um, I'm just going to pray, um, but... I'm going to read chapter 11, verse 4, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. And I'll remember Josiah at that time. Chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, this is the key, by faith, Abel, he offered to God a more acceptable or more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, again today, and this time that we can approach your word in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, in the faith of Abel how it will help us and strengthen us, encourage us and convict us. And all of these things, Father, your word does by your spirit. Uh, we look forward to this morning. But uh, pray right now quickly for Josiah as he will be preaching this morning. And he asks us to pray uh, as he preaches through Psalm 116. Pray that you would be honored in his preaching and uh, that, uh, that people would hear. And in the same way here, I pray that in congregations all over that Ears would be given and eyes would be given to see and to hear that that real true faith might come, Father. Uh, Today I pray that Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that he would increase, that, that I and that we would decrease. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work greatly in this passage. Father, we just give you this time. We're excited about your word today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. The title of the sermon is The Faith of Abel. So it's all about Abel, Cain's younger brother, children of some of the children of Adam and Eve. But the faith of Abel, an example to us about true worship. Now it seems clear enough to me that the point of Hebrews 11 is faith, not worldly faith. Not the faith of demons, but faith that grabs hold to, beholds the promise of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That is what faith is. That is what faith is designed for. That is why faith is given, that faith would grab hold of Christ. If faith grabs hold to something else, it is not true faith. So in this chapter, we have what many call the hall of faith. As the Holy Spirit gives us examples of men and women of faith, 
And so my question is, how do we know that these men and women have faith? Well, Jesus says you will know them by their works, by their fruits. So their fruits are pointed out in this chapter. And their fruits point to something deeper within them. So the works just come out. As, we, as I always say, at the end of the day, we do what we want to do. And so if faith is there, then what are we going to do? We're going to worship Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do. And so at the end of the day, we do what we want to do because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we look at these lives of these people in Hebrews 11, their lives are very different than those around them. They make, there's a difference between the lives of these folks and the lives of the world. Therefore, we need this chapter to encourage us and to help us know the difference between what is real faith and what is not. And our first example is in this chapter is Abel, one of the sons of Adam and Eve. Look at verse 4 again. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable, more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks, as we are reading about him today. And his faith speaks to us. So here we see the very first example of faith <coughs> described in verses 1 to 3. Okay, So look back with me in verses 1 to 3. Because really, what 1 to 3 does is set out faith, as I preached two sermons on that. And then now, we get to see the examples of 1 to 3. But look at 1 to 3. Faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, that is faith, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we have understanding. We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So by faith, Abel knew that God had created all things and that there was a, a reward even waiting for him in the future. Look at chapter 11, verse 6. Just look over there a little bit. Next page. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That, that, impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So by faith, Abel received the promises of God knowing they would come to pass. And by faith, Abel had great understanding about what is true in this world. Now in verse 4, the author highlights Abel's sacrifice. That is the key. That's what we're going to look at this morning as the key to unlocking his faith. Like in other words, this sacrifice shows his faith. And so um, as we see there in the verse, Abel offers a more acceptable sacrifice than his brother Cain. So now, with that in mind, in order to preach this sermon, let's go back to Genesis. So turn your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 7. So that's where really where we're going to be this morning in order to determine what this acceptable or excellent sacrifice is. So Genesis 4, 1 to 7. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, 
Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of his firstborn of his flock and of their, pat, of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. His face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, or if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And this is the principle of life. And God says, obey me and do what is right. If you do, it will go well with you. If not, it will not go well with you. He says, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So we're not going to look at what follows, was Cain will eventually kill his brother. That's for another time. We're mainly looking at the sacrifice. But in this story, we find two worshipers. Really, these two worshipers represent the true worshiper and the world. Very clearly, the, 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 the one who has faith, one who does not. And even I, we could say that, that, that Cain was the first real example of, the, of a hypocrite um, that we have in the Scriptures. Both of these men know there is a God. Both are, are worshiping. It's not as though Cain were an, an atheist. Both came to God. Both offered to God an offering. Both profess. And, 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 and they both are worshiping God. And at the end of the day, though, only one of these men worships by faith. And so I, I give these, a lot of this sermon and, and some of these truths today, I give credit to A.W. Pink, who's become probably my favorite, outside of John Owen, my favorite commentator. But with that in mind, thinking about this, this sacrifice, I have four truths this morning with just some general applications throughout and some comments, but here they are. I'll go ahead and give them to you. True worship is obedient. That's number one. True worship is by faith. That's number two. True worship gives what is best. That's, that's number three. And then finally, number four, true worship finds its fulfillment in Christ. So let's begin. True worship is obedient. When Abel offered his firstborn from the flock, it was out of obedience to the revealed word of God. Now, I, in other words, I believe that Abel had heard the word of God, the commands of God, and was just merely being obedient to offer this sacrifice. Now, this is an implied truth, which comes from the, the entire Bible. Hebrews 11 is all about faith, and throughout the chapter, we see that people of faith act in obedience to the Word of God. If we go back to chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews, as we've been going through Hebrews, we have the example of the people in the desert. And why did they perish in the desert? The majority of them, that generation. Because they were disobedient to the Word of God. In chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 11, we read, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Faith is never separated from obedience. Never. It is not. 
very clear. That is something we, we, I think we get often and we, we should understand that. But faith is never separated from obedience to the Word of God or the revealed will of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and what? And hearing what? The Word of God. It's a principle. Throughout, that's why I believe Abel, his faith was showed as he was obedient to offer the right kind of sacrifice. So, how does a person know what is, access, what is acceptable to God in worship if God does not tell us, which we have very clearly in the Bible? A.W. Pink, again, my commentator I read a lot of, he says this about faith. Faith must have a foundation to rest upon. And that foundation must be the word of him who cannot lie. God speaks, we hear, and then faith acts in obedience. This is acceptable worship. Now, I believe that Cain and Abel knew what was acceptable. We aren't told the specifics here in, in Genesis, but Adam and Eve, their parents, would have told them about God's judgments upon their sin. He, they would have told them God came to, to Adam and he came to Eve and he came to the serpent as good parents, even as bad parents, don't we tell our kids what is most important to us? So Adam and Eve would have revealed the, the Word of God to their children. They would have remembered that when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves from their nakedness, what did God do? God provided a sacrifice. There was the death of an animal there, and He covered them with their skins, which was the very first death recorded in the Bible. Cain and Abel would have remembered God's promise that one day, as God spoke to the serpent there in Genesis 3.15, one day there will be a death, and out of that death will come life as it looks forward to the promise of the cross of Christ. They would have known these things. Brothers and sisters, death and all evils in this world are here because of sin. Starting with Adam and Eve's and then coming down. If you, are, if you are a person, you're listening, you are born of Adam. All of us have this sin nature. All of us come from Him. All of us are separated from God because of our sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. And there must be a sacrifice to cover our sins. Either, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So either I will receive my wages for my sins, which is death, or someone else. There will be a sacrifice in my place to cover my sins. And there, in that death, I will be saved. It will be one place or the other, always. And in order for, for me or you to receive that sacrifice, there must be faith that unites with that sacrifice. And that, that is the gospel as we will see moving through this text. But Cain's offering was an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel's, what was his? It was the firstborn of his flock. So very different. I believe Abel knew what was acceptable. <laughs> I believe Cain knew what was acceptable as well. But he knew the commands of God. He heard God's words of truth. And he was obedient. Cain 
in his sacrifice was not obedient. And when God did not accept his offering, what happens to him? He was angry. It says here in verse 5 that his face fell. I'm just saying a little parentheses here. You can tell a lot about a person, even the maturity of a person of how they react when things don't go their way. And uh, as, as Christians, uh, we do mature in the faith. But if you are one who always, always reacts, always reacts in anger, you're at, 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 hopefully it's just a sign of immaturity and not a sign of that you're not a Christian at all. But Cain was very upset that God did not accept his sacrifice. And he was very angry. His face fell. In the verse 6, God says to Cain, Why are you angry? God knows the answer, but he, he often does that with us. Why has your face fallen? If you do well, or if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? It was as if God was saying to Cain, did I promise to accept any other sacrifice, any other offering than that which I had prescribed in my word to you? In other words, I, you knew what I had prescribed. In other words, he was saying to Cain, if you obey my instructions and do what is right, this will be acceptable worship. Now, <clears throat> a quick application before we move on. We must pay really close attention to the Word of God in our obedience as Christians. Um, I, I think I've shared this example before, but just in a little different way this morning. I often go to the grocery store, it seems like all the time, and Kristen always sends me with, with a list and I come home with lots of groceries. Even this week, again, I did it. Guys, do you, does that happen to you often? Like, you'll go, I'll never do that again. I'll never miss the specific instruction for that little piece of ingredient again. And how many times have I missed the instructions again? And I did it again this week. And I missed the list exactly. It's the same with God's Word. We cannot... Leave things out. We must be really careful to obey every word that God has given us. And even if we overlook something, do you think God says, oh, I overlooked that? If you get pulled over by the police and you say, well, I, I didn't see that sign back there that said 45 miles an hour. I thought it said 55. What's the policeman going to say? They're, they're going to hold you responsible because it was written. It was clear. God will do the same. This means we cannot pick and choose what we obey. And I think we do that as Christians, and we don't even realize it. We pick and choose what we want to obey, and we leave things out. And I, we cannot do that. It even comes with my preaching. I cannot pick and choose what I would like to preach, which is one of the reasons we go through books together, or the Bible, but I can't leave something out that's difficult. Now, I may not understand it, and I may say, I don't get this, but we are still going to preach this and go right through. I think of Paul. I do not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. But at the end of the day, we must obey. And this is faith. Now, truth number two we get from this text. True worship flows from a heart of faith. So the first truth was obedience. The second truth is faith itself, which we've been talking about. But this is the, the main truth of Hebrews 11. Abel wasn't merely acting out of obedience, okay? He wasn't just doing his duty. There was more to it. There was faith behind his duty, behind his obedience. 
And this, I believe, gets to the point, heart of the matter. Abram believed what God had already promised. And he looked forward to God fulfilling that promise. That's what faith is. Look back at 11.1. Faith is the, is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. <clears throat> so Abel, I believe here, believes God's promise to be true. In his soul, there, already there was this substance within him of the things hoped for as he looked forward. In his soul, there was a, a conviction. He had seen God to be true, and he knew that God had <clears throat> worked in so many ways in his life. He knew it was true. He looked forward to that, and by faith, he acted. Yes, there was obedience, but his obedience was mixed with faith. I mean, we cannot separate faith from obedience. They, just like we can't separate repentance from faith. They go together. And so this is what we see with Abel and the significance of his offering. I think he knows what it means to offer the blood of the firstborn from his flock. And he offers this animal, and he knows that by God's mercy and by God's grace that he deserved to be there on that altar because he knew that he was a sinner. And so he was looking forward, and he was saying, but God... I know you're merciful, I know you're gracious, and I look forward to you fulfilling that promise somehow, although he didn't know the details. That's what Abel was doing. I am sure that he is remembering the words of God to Adam, his father. Cursed is the ground because of you. He would have, he would have heard again the story back to the Garden of Eden from which his parents were cast out, and there was the cherubim with the sword in front, not allowing them to come back. And by faith, Abel, I think he believed that he was a sinner. He knew that he was born into sin. By faith, he knew that he deserved death and separation from God. By faith, he knew the holy character of God, that he was righteous and just. By faith, he knew that he was offering the firstborn of his flock, and this was a substitute on the altar where he deserved to be. Finally, by faith, he knew that this offering was a picture of the final offering to come in which God would save his soul. So by faith, Abel offered a, an excellent, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And so when we compare the two sacrifices, we see a difference. Let's think about that for a moment. Cain's sacrifice was bloodless. And what does Hebrews 9, 22 tell us? We've already preached. Without the shedding of blood, there's what? No forgiveness of sins, no remission of sins. And so Cain's was a, his sacrifice was from the ground. Abel's was, included blood. Cain's sacrifice was merely just the fruit of his own labors. Just like Adam and Eve, when they covered themselves, they did their own thing as a sacrifice, hoping God would not see their, their nakedness. Cain did the same thing. He took the fruit from his own labors. <clears throat> when we move forward, we think about Cain's sacrifice. It ignored 
The sentence of God that cursed is the ground that is there. And his offering was from the ground. And he despised the grace of God, I believe, the God given to him and to his parents. And even there, as, as Cain would have known these things, um, he, he, he despised the grace of God, looking back to Adam and Eve's sacrifice, the, the God's sacrifice to them and showing grace and mercy as God covered them there early on. And so all these ways we see a big difference. So for us today, brothers and sisters, in the same kind of way, for us, this is faith. We must, we must believe. This is very simple. This is the gospel. And, and, and many of us here know this today. We must believe there is a God who is holy and just. We must believe that we've sinned against God. So all the things that you've done this week, even as I look back to my own testimony as I became a believer, first year of college, and I grew up in the church, was baptized, said I was a Christian, said I was a Christian, but did my own thing, very much like Cain, doing things the way that I wanted to do them, but yet still thinking in some way God might accept me. But I knew that was not the case at all as I, as I think about my own life. But we must know that we are sinners. We must know that God will carry out justice against our sins. And against, the sin, this, and against us and upon us, the sentence of death will come. We make no excuses. We have no merit of our own. In our sin, we have rebelled. We've gone our own way. We think we know better than God. But as a Christian, if you are a Christian today, here I want to describe you. By faith you know that all of your righteous deeds are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And all that you can do is plead that you are guilty and hide your face in shame when you think about your own righteousness. All we can do, brothers and sisters, by faith, is fall upon the mercy of God in sacrifice. But not the sacrifice that Abel brought, from the flock, not the sacrifice of the old covenant with the, all the lambs and bulls and animals that were brought there in Israel's system of worship, but instead we look to only one sacrifice. And this is the gospel. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And this is faith in its most simple form. The Bible speaks about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, that's the faith, the promise, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so as we look back through the Old Testament, we believe God's word to be true. And looking back, we look upon Jesus, the great high priest. The priest who is also the offering. So he is not only the priest, he also is the offering. And we believe that God offered himself, the Lord Jesus offered himself in our place. And our sins are forgiven. This is the simple message of the gospel. And though Abel did not have all the details looking forward, he had faith that God would do that one day. And so Abel looked forward, we looked back. Let me give a couple applications here. The, by the way, my first two points today are much longer than the last two. But let me give a couple applications. 
The world, first application, the world gets angry when God does not accept their worship. This is exactly what we see with Cain. Because he is a worshiper, just like Abel. They both brought their offerings. They're both worshiping. But he is the first hypocrite, which represents the world. In this way, he pictures a false worshiper, an idolater. Look at uh, Hebrews there. Excuse me. Look back at Genesis 4, verse 7. If you do well, you will not be accepted. Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. At the end of the day, Cain came to God in his own way, with his own sacrifice, his own self-righteousness, thinking that maybe God would accept him. But this was neither an obedient, this was not in obedience, neither was it by faith. So when a person comes to God in this way, when, a, when, a, when, a, when someone who says, I'm a worshiper, I worship God, and they come to God in their own way, that is not by obedience and looking to the right sacrifice, by faith, what happens? Lots of anger and emotions come out. I, I often have conversations with folks because just just be honest, yes, our culture is moving more and more away from the religious in some ways. Well, I would say from certainly from in these days, just seems people are moving away from Orthodox Christianity. But more and more and more people, at least right now, say, I'm a Christian and I worship God. But I've had conversations with folks often. And I say, and I try, I look at their lives and I'm seeing, hmm, you're saying you're a Christian, but boy, you seem to be angry all the time. You seem to be anxious all the time. You seem to have no patience ever. You don't really love God's people. You don't attend regularly with God's people in worship. Um, I, I look, and we know what that's like. And I, and I, and I say, uh, Maybe, maybe, I usually don't even say you're not a Christian. I would just say, look at your life. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. And, and often when I talk to people like this, they go, what do you mean? You don't think I'm a Christian? They would say, of course I'm a Christian. I go to church. I've been baptized. I made a profession. What I give to the poor. And so that's their justification to say, and they get upset. How dare you say I'm not a Christian? But here's my experience with the true Christian when I, when I point things out, and I hope this is the case with us, that if someone were ever to point out things to us, we would go, oh, maybe, yeah, I see that sin in my life. Or, yeah, I need to repent of that. And you see, maybe I need to, as the Bible says, test and see that you are saved. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. This is humility. Pride is, pride comes before destruction. And so, you know what I'm talking about. So when the world says, I'm going to worship this way, and we know the way they're worshiping is wrong, and the things they're doing is wrong, and they're not being obedient to the very little commands, we could go on and on with this one. 
<clears throat> but when the world does that, what, and you point things out to them, they get angry, which is exactly what Cain will do. And what's Cain going to do about it? He's going to kill his brother in the next verses there in Genesis 4. <laughs> so when we look at the fruit of folks who call themselves Christians, we must remember this. I think of James 4, verses 1 to 3. This is probably the most helpful and the, and the most quoted, some of the most quoted verses in counseling we can give. What causes quarrels and fights among you, even in your, in your marriage? What's causing the quarrels and the fights among you? What's causing the, the quarrels and the fights amongst brothers and sisters in a family? What's causing quarrels and fights at work when you don't agree? What is causing all these quarrels and fights? James 4. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? That's what we do. Here, here, here's an explanation of that. You desire and you don't get your way. So, <laughs> you murder. This is exactly what Cain did. You covet. You cannot obtain. We don't know how much he was coveting even the sacrifice there of Abel or what he was coveting in his life. We don't know those things. But you covet. You want what God has not given you you can't obtain it, so you fight and you quarrel. And, you, it, and we do it as kids. I mean, as, as children, we just throw big tantrums, don't we? Just every day there is a tantrum in the life of a two-year-old. Just about, right? Well, what do we do as adults? We don't lay on the floor and scream and fight. But what, again, the heart. We throw tantrums down deep in our heart. And out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so at the end of the day, the best counsel you can get to change just about everything in your life is work on the heart. Look to the heart. Ask God to change your heart. That heart, it will be a heart of faith. And uh, a lot I could say there, but that's one application. Another application. There are those who, who obey on the outside but inside, there is no faith. There must be obedience and faith together. I think of the Pharisees, Jesus' day. They are very obedient, aren't they, on the outside. But Jesus says, what do they look like on the inside? They're, they're whitewashed tombs. Or he says, don't just wash the outside of the cup. Wash the inside of the cup. They are not obedient from the heart and their obedience really they're, they're very obedient in many ways but true obedience isn't obedience unless it is given from the right motive which really in essence this is faith and so here's the difference between the between Cain and Abel between the Pharisee and Jesus between Christian and non-Christian I think of the tax collector and the Pharisee do you remember Jesus tells a story about both of them praying here's what Jesus says two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Because the tax collectors were great sinners and were not accepted by anyone in any of the Jews in their society. The Pharisee, he stood by himself and prayed like this, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But the tax collector went way away where no one could see him. He stood far off, and he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, and he said, 
God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is an example that I like to use often of the difference between one <clears throat> who has a true heart of faith and obedience. Number three, moving on, true worship gives what is best. Look at verse four of, <clears throat> of Genesis four there. Abel's offering was from what? The firstborn of his flock. And he held nothing back because he gave all of the fat portions. Now, and, and we're not told exactly why or how Abel knew that his sacrifice was accepted. The Bible doesn't tell us here, but if you go through the Old Testament, me and Weston were talking about this last night, but it was brought up in a number of commentaries. It's, it's not told here. But many times when they would offer a sacrifice, what would happen? Fire from heaven would come down and burn up the sacrifice. And some commentators say this is what happened here. We're not told exactly. But we do know that Cain and Abel knew that God had accepted Abel's somehow or another. And so <clears throat> when we come to their sacrifice, though, Abel was giving what is best. I believe that Abel's offering was the most precious and valuable thing that he could have brought. And the motive of this offering was faith from the heart. Abel knew that there was no one or nothing more valuable than God, than God himself. And to God, he must bring his best. And this is just not dressing your best on Sunday morning. This has everything to do with the heart and bringing everything out of a motive of faith to God, that which is best, that which is sacrificial. And so let me give a couple examples of maybe someone giving their best and someone maybe not giving their best. And I'll do it with me and Kristen again. Sometimes I don't have to ask for it. For she just look at me now. She's probably cringing, thinking, what's everybody going to think? It's not a bad one. But I, this is one I don't have to ask on. But I think about buying a gift for Kristen for Christmas. Think about husbands buying a gift for your wife. And uh, let's, let's say that I had, I knew I needed to do it all year, knew I needed to do it, didn't do anything about it until Christmas Eve, and I go, which store is open? And I run, and I go to the dollar store, which is always open, and I pick something up, you know, I think it's pretty nice, or a good gift card, or something like that, even a, maybe an expensive gift card, or something to give to Kristen. Then I take it home, and I wrap it, or put it even better, put it in a little, one of those uh, bags that's quick and easy and stick the white stuff on top of it, and there it is. I'm done with my gift. Well, here's a second example. What if I started saving my money earlier on in the year, and I'm thinking, how can I, in my budget, how can I save more money? So I think, oh, I can eat out less. Okay, so I take a little bit there, and I actually sacrifice eating out less. Or I like to play disc golf. It usually costs me, you know, $20, $25 if I want to play in a disc golf tournament. I think, well, I'm not going to do that one this month, and this month, and this month. And I sacrificially then hold some more money back so that at the end of the year, around November, I have quite a bit of money. And then I start to plan. And I talk to my kids who know what Kristen wants. And I, and I start hinting, Kristen, what do you think about this or that? And, and I really plan out that. Then I do some shopping 
And over time, then I find this gift that I have given my best for, and then I give to her on Christmas. Now, you, she may not know the big difference there, but you see the difference in the two examples. She is valuable to me, and I must give my best to her, which is a principle, husbands, by the way. Um, Christ always gives his best as the husband of his bride. So must we. But, <clears throat> but the point here is that true worship gives what is best. And Abel gave the most important, valuable thing that he could have given the firstborn from his flock. And this is true worship. I think of Galatians 5, 6, which says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I believe that Abel's mind and his heart was bent towards worshiping God in such a way that he would do whatever it took to worship and give of his best to God. I think of Psalm 23, 26. The writer says, My son, give me your heart. Parents, isn't that at the end of the day what we were after with our kids? Because we know that if, if we get their hearts, then what will follow? Their actions. Now, when they're small, we do, we require them to be obedient. The first time. Children, look up here at me. Are you obedient to your parents? First time. Your parents, are you requiring your kids to be obedient to you? First time. My dad often said, John, don't make many rules, but the ones you do make, certainly keep them. And so we must do that. But, but as children of God, what, what we're doing the same kind of thing. And we're, we're being obedient, but we're given our best from the heart. I think of Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe where? In your heart. God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So brothers and sisters, the heart that loves God will give what is best. And this is true worship. Finally this morning, true worship finds its fulfillment in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. Always. So, when we read the Old Testament, we read Abel, the very first example given in Hebrews, before the flood, but every single one of them, their faith was looking forward to the promise of God to be saved. They would be saved in this one sacrifice, which is what Hebrews is talking about, the whole book of Hebrews. Now, I'll be hopefully a little more brief here as I try to close this out, but... All of God's promises are found in Jesus Christ. And though Abel did not know this, how exactly it would do, he looked forward to that fulfillment in Christ. And in that way, he was a true worshiper. And so anybody in the Old Testament, anybody today that does not look unto Christ is not being a true worshiper. I think of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Samaritan woman, Jesus is talking to her, not supposed to be, she's not supposed to be there, but she is in the middle of the day because it was so hot. <clears throat> and so there they are speaking one with the other. He's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. Men and women didn't really talk either, but a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman, and then they start talking. And she, as he probes her, she starts to change the subject, which often happens in spiritual conversations. And she starts talking about worship. She said, you Jews worship over on this mountain, 
us Samaritans, we worship on this mountain. Hey, but when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us about true worship. There he was, the Messiah. He'll later tell her that. But <clears throat> Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem on that mountain will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Then he says to her, I am the Messiah. The one that you were talking to is going to tell you about all these things. I am the one who comes from God and will tell you these things. And I will tell you exactly what it means to have true worship. And, of course, we know the story. She runs off, grabs everybody in the town. I believe faith came her way, and she said, that's the promise. That's the one. She brings everybody to Jesus and says, look at this man, told everything about me. And she worshiped in a true way for the first time. That's why Acts, I think of Acts 4.12, one of the first sermons there with Peter. And it says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I believe that this is the promise of God to which Abel looked by faith. And in his sacrifice, God commended him, as we see there in, in, verse, in chapter 11, verse 2. God accepted him. Now, he did not accept him because of his works, and we know that to be true. We are, true. We are not saved because of our works. We're saved because of the works of another, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Abel looked forward to that sacrifice. And we have this sacrifice right here, or this story of this faith of this man Abel right here in front of us, speaking to us today. So, in conclusion, by faith, Abel was obedient to the revealed will of God. He's an example of, how many of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Let's see if I can say it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all His ways, and He will direct your paths. That's exactly what Abel was doing in obedience. Two, Abel's obedience, his offering was by faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Abel's offering was the best that he could give as he loved God, I think, with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then finally, his offering looked forward to Christ in whom his righteousness was found. Let me just mention just a couple quick things though before we get out of here about this whole story that I, we could have preached sermons on this, but just a couple big truths. Cain and Abel represent Christians and non-Christians. It's a story of that. It's a picture of that for us. Cain represents the seed of the serpent back from Genesis 3, Abel represents the seed of the woman, the one who would come one day. And there's really only two types of people in this world. Those who by faith look unto Christ, those who 
in their own self-righteousness, do not. Another, another big truth, um, though we do not, didn't speak of Abel's death here, his murder by Cain pictures the murder of our Lord Jesus. Um, number one, Christians are always persecuted from the world. And also, Jesus' death. He was persecuted. He was killed by the world. And so Abel, this very first death recorded, pictures the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I could say a lot of other things, too. That Here we see the sovereign decree, the sovereign pleasure of God to, to, to choose Abel and leave Cain in his sin. We could go to the New Testament and, and flesh that out if we wanted to. But this story, in this story, there are a lot of things that, uh, that help us today. With that in mind, I think we're going to close it for now. I feel like it's been a long sermon today, but I hope it's been helpful in some ways. I hope we get at least one thing or something we can take from here. I pray your week, this week will be a good week, um, and we'll give as God gives, as God, Lord willing, will bring us back together next week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and uh, these words. I pray that if someone is here that's not a Christian, that they would look under Christ today in obedience, by faith. And even as Romans um, 12 tells us that our <clears throat> acceptable worship is to offer ourselves, Father. And that's what we do as Christians, knowing that that uh, we're accepted because of someone else's sacrifice, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our own righteousness with which we come to you, but through the blood of Christ. So I pray that you'd help us today, help us as we think about this story and these words this morning, and I pray that your name would be made great. I pray that Christians would be encouraged. And Father, we give you the day and this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.